reflecting about us as people, not all of us, but most of us, many of us, maybe quite a few of us, you know if you and I fit or not. All I had you do was look at somebody and say, tell them you look amazing and tell them they have a beautiful smile. And I don't want you to raise your hand, but anybody struggle with that a little bit? Why is it that our human nature, you understand it's human nature, it's our fleshly nature, by design doesn't find the good in people? Doesn't compliment people. Why is that? But let me ask you this question. How many of you would admit, again, you don't have to raise your hand, you're human, so I know the answer. We're, we're all human, so we know the answer. How many of you admit it's not hard to find the fault in people? Doesn't take, and, and if we're not careful, we might be quick to talk about it. And so it's quiet now. <laughs> we shifted in a hurry, didn't we? The Lord's here. Our nature is contrary to His nature. And I want to go in the Word today to the book of Mark, I, I think I actually want to start in Matthew, chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, as you're turning there, let me remind you, uh, you may have heard this Thursday night, but just in case, we'll keep repeating it for a little bit, um, let me look at my calendar so I don't give you the wrong dates, what in the world's going on there? just happened, but there we go. My calendar just started goofing up. Great timing. Uh, I think the date is the 17th, Friday the 17th. There we go. Just had to close it and reopen it. Uh, Friday night the 17th and Saturday the 18th. If you are in what we the group we refer to as hyphen, which is 18 to 36 and single. Um, I am asking you to make it a priority to be here at church that Friday night, the 17th. At 7.30, I think. I'll give you the more specific times once we get some stuff nailed down. But that Friday night, the 17th. And that Saturday, the 18th, we will probably start about 10 o'clock or 9.30 that Saturday morning. Um, and we are going to, the Lord's been dealing with me about it for some time. Some of you, we've talked one-on-one, -on -one, different ones, and just keeps coming back. Um, we will speak specifically Friday night about biblical principles regarding finance. Okay, biblical principles 
regarding finance. And then on Saturday, we will make it applicable. We will do applicable teaching, budgets, saving. Now, if you're sitting here going, I got all this figured out. Well, if you're in that group that I just mentioned, please come. We want your knowledge with us. Okay? Um, I mean that sincerely, but a little bit of tongue-in-cheek, too. Okay? Um, hear me. Some people get nervous when you start talking about money because there's this idea that the church is out to get people's money. Um, there may be some that use the church that way. I can assure you we don't. Um, there's so much accountability in what we do and how we do it by design. Um, and there's a reason I still work a secular job. We don't take all the income from the church. Uh, I'll be very transparent with you. The church gives us a portion that helps cover part of our monthly housing payment. But I work another job, as you know, and I'm thankful to do so. God's been gracious to us. Um, But Jesus spoke about money more than he spoke about heaven and hell. Why? I'll tell you why. Because money affects everything we do. Now you say, oh, no, it doesn't. Yeah, it does. In some way, shape, or form. I've, I have, uh, some of you know this, some of you don't, so you'll learn now. I have, for the last 20-something years, worked in the financial services industry, banks, credit unions. And I will tell you this. I can t- I've talked to people about their finances through the years. And I, I could take somebody that's been struggling that comes into my office and would say, man, I need help. I, I, I got this problem. I can sit down and I can look through. The, we'll look at their last two or three months of bank statements trying to figure stuff out. And I can tell you in those few minutes, I can tell you about their life pretty quickly. Some of you are thinking, hmm, would that be true? Yeah, sure. Just go look at your statements. It says a lot about our life, right? Now, the point of these classes that we're doing is not to get into your stuff, okay? So if you're getting those red flags, that's not the purpose. The Lord intends for us to have victory over finance. He intends us to have victory in our financial lives. He intends us to walk according to His Word financially. You with me? Now, it's all, some of you are nervous. I'm not, I used to be nervous talking about money because I thought people were going to think the wrong thing. They're going to, I don't care anymore because I know my motive. Does that make sense? And so, hear me. We can't take the parts of the word of God that say, you know, you need to repent. You need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You need to be filled with his spirit. We should take that. We should follow that. We should obey. It's critical. We can't say, I believe the word. I'll receive the word. I want to obey the word. I want to follow after him and live according to his word. And then go, you know what? I don't want his word to tell me anything about my finance. I want to make my own choices there. But sometimes we do that. But if we'll walk according to his word in our finance, he will bless us. I'm not talking about prosperity doctrine like, you know, Sow a seed of faith and you'll get thousands of seeds and you'll be rich. I'm not, I'm not into all that. Okay. But the Lord is faithful 
And so, uh, didn't plan on all that, but there you go. Uh, that will be Friday the 17th and Saturday the 18th. I'm asking you again, if you're in that hyphen single age group, 18 to 36, I'm asking you to be here. Anybody else that would like to come, you're welcome. It's open. Um, and we're just going to walk through scriptural principles on Friday night. It'll be very open. We'll have questions. It'll be uh, the idea. I don't know if I'd call it informal, but it won't be formal either. It'll be probably a more relaxed atmosphere where we'll want questions and answers, and we'll talk through it together. Fair? And then on Saturday, it'll be a classroom workshop. I'm going to have you do some pre-work. And so for those that want to, we're going to look at some applicable stuff so you feel like I walk out of here and I have a plan on Saturday. I walk out and I, I may not have everything in order, but I have a plan and I have some direction. And I can get some things and I'm going somewhere now according to the word. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Um, all right, let's go into the word. Book of Matthew, chapter number 7. We're going to start in the very first verse. Would you pray with me before we go any further? I know I did that little pause there to make that announcement, if you will, and I, I want to make sure our spirit comes right where the Lord is here. Jesus, I thank you today for the privilege of being together in your presence. I thank you for your word that cannot fail. I thank you for the promises of your word that are yes and amen. I pray today that by your spirit and by your word you would speak with us according to your divine will and purpose. We open our spirit to you, Lord. We need you to not speak to our intellect, God forbid, but speak into our spirit for your words are the words of life. In Jesus' name, I pray, I submit myself to you. Take these lips of clay. Let your word not be tainted by my humanity. In Jesus' name, I pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So back where we were, regarding our abilities to quickly find fault but struggle to compliment, in case you wondered, I didn't want you to forget that. I want to bring us right back. All right. We really need the Lord to speak into our spirit today. Are you with me? We need him to speak into our spirit. Some of you have heard me say this before. We're not just trying to be good people. We want to be led by and walk in the spirit of God with him leading and directing our lives. Amen. This is why he's got to speak into our spirit, not our heads. Yes, it comes in here, but it's got to get into our spirit for it to accomplish what he intends. Okay? I'm asking you to pray with me. I feel this so significantly. I'm asking you to pray with me again. I'm asking you to pray in your words, God, I'm opening my spirit to you. I want you to speak into my spirit. Would you be willing to pray that with me this morning? Lord Jesus, we need you. We need you. We don't need the wisdom of men. It's, it's of no value. We need the wisdom of God. We need your wisdom, God. I pray today for each and every one of us, Lord. Let our spirit be open and let us receive what you would speak. 
Lord, in your great love and compassion and grace, speak into our spirit. Speak into my spirit, Lord. I want to hear from you. I want my life to be marked, changed, transformed by your word and by your spirit so that you are glorified in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Jesus is speaking here. He has been speaking for a little bit. This is what's often called the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to pick up in chapter 7. Jesus said, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. Plain English, however you choose to judge others, that's the method in which you will be judged. Okay? And with what measure you meet, or with the measure in which you dole out judgment on people, it shall be measured to you again. You should expect the same. There's a principle with God of you reap what you sow. All right? He said, give, it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. He said, if you'll forgive the way I forgive, you're forgiven. But if you don't forgive, then the forgiveness I gave you is removed from your life. Right? There's this pattern with God of as you show mercy, you receive mercy. As you show forgiveness, you receive forgiveness. Here he says, as you judge, you will be judged. You with me? So he's speaking to us. Uh, verse 3. And why? Let's pause here in verse 2 for a second. Let's talk about this word judge. The, you know, the world today, whenever you would bring up the word of God or the truth of the word of God, the world's response oftentimes today is, don't judge me. Anybody ever heard that? Don't judge me. Now, the spirit in which we declare the word of God to someone determines if we are judging them or not. You understand? But to declare the word of God and them have to, them have to face the word of God in relationship to their own life, right? You and I have to hear the word of God, and then I, once I hear it, I have to determine, okay, either this is truth or it's not, and what does it do in my life? Then the word of God is judging me. You understand the difference between me casting judgment on someone and someone being confronted by the word of God? With truth. Okay? So, this, this is important because people twist the scripture in the hour in which we live. As though this scripture means we should not call sin, sin. Because to call sin, sin is judging somebody. Well, that idea that you shouldn't call sin, sin is directly contrary to the word of God. If I am watching someone walk in sin, that according to the scripture, the wages or the cost, the price of sin is death, 
and eternal damnation. If I'm watching them and I have audience with them and we're having conversation and there's an open door there and I turn a blind eye to their sin and don't in love, right spirit, in love communicate with them about what the word of God teaches and the instruction from the word of God and I ignore it because I don't want to judge them. That's not what this scripture is talking about. You understand that today? Now, that doesn't mean I go around and say, hey, you know, the Bible says thou shalt not wear horn-rimmed glasses. The Bible says you shall not wear bow ties. The Bible says, now, obviously, we know the Bible doesn't say that. But if it did, that doesn't give me the license to go around and start pointing stuff out to people. You with me so far? But now, if, I'm having, if I have a relationship, some open door, maybe it's a coworker, and we start talking, and... Uh, I feel like there's an open door there, and I say, man, can I, can I show you something the Scripture says about bow ties? I, I'm just making sense. You guys, are, you guys are with me? And he says, yeah, sure. And I begin in love and care for him, show the Word of God. Then the Word of God begins to deal with his heart. Okay. So when Jesus said, don't judge, he wasn't saying... Just ignore everybody's sins and faults and don't seek to rescue them by the love of the word of God and the love of God through your life. You got the differentiation there? Just the world has twisted this scripture as though the church shouldn't call out sin. The difference is in the spirit in which we do it. Some do it from a place of elitism as though I'm better than, I've arrived, I've got it figured out and you don't. So let me tell you, that's not God. That's never God. He's lowly. He humbled himself. But he humbled himself and he came to men and he said, repent, change direction, change how you're thinking because the kingdom of God is at hand. He said, except you repent, you shall likewise perish. Jesus said that. Was he judging them? He was using the word of God to judge their action, to try to turn them toward him in love. Okay. I just think that's important because this scripture gets misused from people who don't want to be facing the word of God. All right. So. Judge not that you be not judged for with what judgment you judge, you'll be judged and with what measure you meet, it shall be measured you again. Verse three. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in your brother's eye? But considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye. The uh, New Living Translation says, Why do you behold the stick or the twig that's in your brother's eye, but you don't even consider the log that is in your own eye? Drawing this drastic comparative difference. A little stick or twig in their eye, but you got a log in yours, and you're ignoring that, but pointing out that stick or twig over there. Now, or how will you say to your brother, let me pull out the moat or twig, stick or twig. Try to say those two words together real fast. Let me pull out the moat out of your own eye and behold the logs in your own eye. Verse 5, Jesus still speaking. You hypocrite. First, cast out the beam or the log out of your own eye. And then shall you see clearly. Then you'll see clearly. To cast out the moat or the stick or twig out of your brother's eye. Okay? Now, 
Turn over to the book of Mark. I'm sorry, not Mark. Luke chapter 6. Book of Luke chapter 6. We're going to go to verse 41. Jesus is speaking here. This is Luke's recording of those words that we read, and I just want us to see them both. Luke 6 and 41, Jesus said, And why behold thou the mote in thy brother's eye, but you don't perceive, notice those words, you don't perceive the beam that is in your own eye. Either how can you say to your brother, Brother, let me pull out the mote that's in your eye, when you yourself don't behold the beam in your own eye. You hypocrite. Cast out first the beam out of your own eye, and then shall you see clearly to pull out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. For a good tree brings not forth corrupt fruit, neither does a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man, watch this, verse 45. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bring forth that which is good. An evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart... Of the abundance of the heart, of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, all this was in the context of judge not that you be not judged, how we deal with something in our brother's life and our own life. And then he said, out of the abundance of the heart. He didn't say out of some small, deep, recessed, little bitty thing over in the corner of the heart. He said out of the abundance. There's something that there's a lot of in your heart. Whatever there's a lot of in your heart, that's what comes out of your mouth. Out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. You want to find out what's in someone's heart? Talk to them a little while. Now. You don't have to raise your hand. Please don't. I probably know the answer anyway because we're all human. Isn't that wonderful that we're all human in the room? It's easy to forget that. Don't let the tie fool you. Right? We're all human. And so, have you ever been in a conversation with somebody or been talking with someone and uh, maybe they're, they're pointing out someone else's flaw, shortcoming, Falling short, whatever you want to call it. And they're, they're communicating these things, and it's a little awkward for you, right? You're like, okay, uh, you know, I think I got to go, right? You know, maybe, whatever they're communicating. And while they're communicating these things, you're having this thought do you, do you hear yourself? Do, do you hear what you're saying? Like, like, like what you're describing about them is like what you do. You ever had one of those moments in your life? It's okay, we're just being real this morning. 
Yeah, I've had those moments in my life. I've been, I've sort of caught myself at times. Uh, yeah, I, I probably shouldn't tell you this, but here we are. I, uh, there's been times, you know, w- different ones of us will have conversations one-on-one. You may be asking me about something, or I may be talking to you about something. We're chatting and visiting about something, and, and maybe a life situation or circumstance or people or relationships, or right? You fill in the blank, and we're having these conversations. And I, I seek to wait on the Lord. I don't think every time I'm talking to you, it's the voice of God. Heaven forbid I think that, or that you think that either. But I speak to you. When we talk, we talk through those things. I do so in the fear of God, knowing I have a responsibility. But there are times when we're talking about a situation or a circumstance, and, and I'll begin talking to you and maybe sharing something that I feel like is counsel. And, man, as I'm doing so, the Lord's dealing with me. Maybe I'm talking to somebody about their marriage and, man, I'm, I'm, I'm telling them how to, you know, well, you should consider this and you should do that. And, man, when I'm saying that, I'm starting to think about my wife and, man, am I. And the Lord's dealing with me. Does that make sense? And what's happening? All of a sudden, as, as I'm talking to my brother or sister about this situation, the Lord is illuminating in my own life opportunity. You with me? And so when the Lord Jesus is speaking here, he was addressing a situation that would come in the body of Christ and in people, in our human nature, where there is a spirit in the world and it is more prevalent than it has ever been. There is a spirit in the world that we must rise up against as the people of God. And it is a spirit that finds fault in others. And gets joy out of talking about it. And it has been emboldened in this hour by computers and smartphones. You know why? Because I can say stuff to you, I can talk about you, or I can say something to you, and you never see my face, and I never see your face, but I can type it and hit send. I can broadcast... Man, there's more passive aggressiveness online than I've ever seen in my life. Right? Somebody wants to make a little comment on somebody's comment. And you guys are laughing because you know exactly what I'm talking about. I've probably been guilty of it. God forgive me. You maybe have been too. Oh, I got a thought here. Let me just be real subtle and I'll type this and uh, send. Oh, Jesus. Thank God for delete. Go back. Delete. Ah, What was I thinking? Find an altar and repent. Is this too real? Look, what is it? We need to identify it for what it is. It is a spirit of accusation. A spirit of accusation. Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. He did not say, I've come to find fault and accuse and point out flaws and demean and belittle those that are lost. He said, I've come to seek and to save the lost. There is something in the heart of God that when he sees somebody with fault, with shortcoming, with error, with need, he doesn't point it out and belittle them. He reaches to them in mercy and compassion and looks for a way to help. But there is a spirit of an accuser. Accusation, accusation, and God forbid. In this passage of Scripture where Jesus was teaching, where we read in Matthew and in Luke, 
Jesus used the example of brothers. Did he not? When he said, why do you say, let me, why do you focus on the moat that's in your brother's eye? I mean, I can almost, I can't, but I can almost understand if it's somebody I didn't know and I'm just observing from far off and I'm like, man, I just don't understand. But it's quite another one with my brother who is part of the body of Christ with me that I would then begin to cast out words of judgment or accusation, especially if it would be to another brother or another sister. Jesus said, if I do whatever measure in which I do that, that's how it's going to happen to me. Is it the word? In whatever measure I judge, this is what he was talking about. Not the don't judge me crowd. I'm not talking about that. In whatever measure I do that. And you know what's funny about that to me? Here we are. I hope, you, I hope you're doing all right. I hope you're receiving this in your spirit. What's interesting about that to me is when that, it's a spirit. When that spirit of fault finding and pointing out, especially among my brothers and sisters, or in the workplace or anywhere where there's multiple where relationships happen, that fault finding, that critical, I've had to deal with this in my life. I'm just telling you, I'm not, I don't have this all figured out. I'm talking to myself, the Lord dealing with me, where I can become critical and find fault and point out flaws. And you know, you know why we do that? There's several reasons. One of the main reasons we do that is because it makes us feel better about ourselves when we know our own faults. Well, at least I'm not as bad as them. At least I don't wear horn rim glasses. I got to quit picking on Brother Zario. He, he didn't get a comment. I love him. I love him very much. All right. But what it does is I, I, can, I can find fault here. And usually what I do is I point out fault where I know I don't have any. Oh, heaven forbid I'm going to call him out for something where I've got the same issue. I'm, I'm going to give grace for that. But what I'm trying to do is make myself feel better. It's deception. Why is it deception? Because I'm not addressing the log that's in my own eye. But I want to deal with the little moat, the little twig over here in my brother's. And Jesus was trying to deal with that. And he's saying, hey, in whatever way you're measuring that out, in whatever way you're doing that, you just need to expect it's going to be coming back to you again the same way. Now, the Scripture says in Revelation that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. In there. He is the accuser of the brethren that he would come before the Lord day and night accusing the brethren. Do you know what spirit you or I are giving into when we give in to accusation, accusation, and fault finding and flaw pointing and criticalness? Do you understand what spirit we're giving? It's not the spirit of God, it is the spirit of the accuser. 
that stands before the Lord day and night accusing the brethren. And so what happens when I open my mouth out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When I open my mouth and begin finding fault and pointing out flaws and and speaking ill, what I'm doing is I'm saying, man, there's a twig over here in your eye. Let me get it. But the reality is I can't actually be of help to my brother because I'm so blinded by this huge log in my own eye. So I'm, I'm going to probably beat him up more than help him. And Jesus said, first, deal with that in your eye. Deal with what's affecting your perception. Deal with those areas that are affecting your ability to see clearly. He wasn't speaking in the natural as though you could reach in and pull a big old pine log out of your eye he was speaking in the spiritual there are things that have affected our way of thinking our perspective how we view stuff what we're hearing what we're listening to what we're watching it affects how we view things and Jesus was saying hey you got to deal with those things that have caused your perception to be skewed you got to get in a place with me and fellowship with me to get the mind of Christ and the nature of Christ rather than your human nature and the spirit of the accuser ruling in your thoughts. And if you'll get in that relationship with me, you'll see clearly and you'll get that log out of your eye. I'll help you to deliver you from those things that you do. And then you'll see your brother or sister and you'll see clearly your perception will be different. How will your perception be different? I'll tell you, if you've ever dealt with something in life and God has miraculously come and helped you and aided you in getting victory and deliverance and walking in power and authority, and then you see someone else down the road and they're dealing with something similar and they need help, you don't come in accusing, do you? No, you come in with compassion, understanding, empathy, and mercy. And the love of God works through you. You want to see them restored. You want to see them made whole. You don't want to accuse them or find fault to everybody what do you love covers a multitude of sin that doesn't mean love hides it like it's not happening love covers and then seeks to help somebody be delivered and set free and restored not find fault and point it out well, i don't want nothing to do it. see the difference is some haven't had the log removed yet so they're not seeing clearly to help and support and aid another but the spirit of god The Spirit of God working in us will anoint our perception so that we can see clearly. And then true ministry takes place. You want to be involved in ministry? There's opportunity every single day. The Bible says, I believe it's in... um, That's not Galatians. I can't remember. You can go look it up on your search app. You'll find it. The Bible speaks of the saints, I think at Achaia, that says they had addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. That speaks to me that they had just given themselves to seeing the body of Christ strengthened, caring one for another. Is it any wonder that Jesus said, this is how the world, know you're my disciples by your ability to point out each other's faults and get them straightened out oh no it doesn't say that this is how they'll know you're my disciples because you'll tell everybody their faults and point them all out no that's not it either no 
Jesus said, this is how the world will know you're my disciples, by the love you have one toward another. I got kids. I got three of them. Thank you, Jesus, for every one of them. And I probably know all three of them better than any of you know them. And I could tell you about each of them, and I could tell you their faults. I could tell you their weaknesses, their challenges. I could point them out in a hurry. I've been living with them for 21, 23, and 26 years. Most of them I know pretty well because they're a reflection of me, and I have to deal with me. And I know them, and I'm patient with them, and I probably talked to them about them somewhere along the journey. But you want to come start telling me what's wrong with my kids? Yes, I, I, I felt some mommy. I felt that right there. Some mom bristled real quick. I know, because I've watched along the way at times where maybe, not too often, but I've watched along the way at times where maybe I've had to say something to little Johnny or little Sally over here, you know. And I've watched mom and Eva. You know, just checking. I, I'm treading carefully, right? I'm like, okay, this is sacred ground here. But, but there's something, right? There's something. I know their, I know their shortcomings. But you start coming and fault finding with my kids, and it's a different story, right? See, in the body of Christ, there should be something of the Spirit of God in us that the words that come out of our mouth are not yielded to the spirit of the accuser. Here's what Jesus said. In his word, the prophet, the Lord said, I know the plans I have for you to bring you to an expected end. Jesus said in Psalm 138, or the Lord said in Psalm 138, I will perfect that which concerns you. What does that mean? I'll perfect that which concerns you. I'll complete that which concerns your life. In other words, he's not done with us yet. And he's not done with any of us yet. And so we can be someone that aids somebody else on their journey, or we can be the one that gives in to the voice of the accuser and begins to find fault and speak ill and accuse and tear down. And that is not the spirit of the voice of God. Galatians 6 and 1, I believe it is, it says, Brethren, if a brother be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a... It is Galatians 6 and 1. You which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of what? Meekness. Doing what? Considering who? Yourself. Lest you would also be tempted. Jesus is saying, hey, if I see Brother Martin struggling, I'm going to come alongside him. I'm not going to come alongside Brother Lewis and say, hey, you know what, man, we got to pray for Brother Martin. Let me tell you what he did. Oh, I know some people do that. Like, oh, I'm, being, I'm going to ask my brother to help me pray for my brother. Come on, don't be foolish. Really, I, I mean that in kindness and spirit. Don't be foolish. It's one thing to use let's pray for my brother or sister as an excuse to tear down a brother or sister. Don't do that. Does that make sense? Don't do that. Go to my brother. Hey, man, can I talk to you? This is troubling me a little bit. I, the Lord will give you words and wisdom. But 
Paul said, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, if a man is overtaken in a fault, you want to prove how spiritual you are? The word. You which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Considering your own self, lest you attempt. What does it mean, lest you're tempted? Lest you would be dealing with the same thing they're dealing with. Consider as though you would be dealing with what they're dealing with. And how would you want someone to approach you? How would you want someone to come alongside you? How would you want someone to help you? The moment. See. The wonderful thing about this verse, how I deal with my brother or sister in a fault, reveals quickly how spiritual I am or not. Does that make sense? All right. There is a need. Now, anytime you go through the Word and these things, there's sort of this thought like, I always get this sense from some like oh man something must be happening he's dealing with it right now nope nothing happening at least not that I'm aware of but the Lord has been dealing with me about this for the last week and a half and I've sort of skipped over and I'm like ah that's but the Lord is trying to help us there's something if if this is something that applies from the word to your situation right now then I'm asking and praying Receive it. Let the Spirit and the Word of God have its work in you in this regard. If it's not, then thank God and then receive it and go, God, give me sensitivity and perception so that as you work in the body and as you add to the body, I walk in this manner in agreement with your Word and your Spirit. This is vital for the health of the body of Christ and critical to what He's doing. Now, I finish with this. Jesus said, that you and I were salt and light in the world. We're salt and light. In terms of light, he said we were what man lights a candle and then puts it under a bushel for no one to see, but he takes it out so that it gives light to all. Paul said that our lives were living letters that were being known and read by all men. A light that's shining, that's causing people either to see or not see. And so, the Lord being that light through our lives, when we walk through the workplace, how we conduct ourselves in the workplace, how we conduct ourselves day to day, how we conduct ourselves in our home, That one sort of hit there. How we conduct ourselves in our home. How we conduct ourselves. Pick the spot. You think Jesus like flipped it off and on when he walked for his three and a half years of ministry? You know what? I'm here at Lazarus' house with him and Mary and Martha. I'm just going to kick my sandals off. I don't have to have on the Jesus mode right now. That just sounds silly, doesn't it? Of course not. We know he was always who he was. Jesus wasn't in character. I, I think we fall into that trap of thinking. 
you and I, as children of God, filled with the Spirit of God, heaven forbid, I'm one thing at work. I'm something else at church. I'm something else at home. I understand life circumstances hit us different in those environments. You understand? But I have to be true to God, honest to Him. I have to let my life ever be walking in repentance and relationship with Him so that His Spirit is leading me and guiding me, and He is ruling and reigning in my life. And so people are looking at this letter. Please stand with me. I'm finishing here. People are looking at this letter that is our life, your life and mine. And if I'm in the workplace, this is what we call practical Christian living, I guess. If I'm in the workplace and I'm joining in the conversations that's tearing down a coworker, Heaven forbid, if I'm starting the conversations that's speaking ill of a coworker, I, I know this is so different than I, I know what I feel in the Holy Ghost, so the Lord's trying to help us. If we, if we can't let God work in these areas of our lives, talking about being a vessel, being a conduit through which the Spirit of God can manifest Himself to the world. This is His desire, like we talked about Thursday night. And out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth speaks. And so my coworkers are hearing and listening and watching my life. I'm not talking about putting on a fake front. If there's something, if I'm having to put on a front to get through this, I better find an altar and get it on the altar and let God deal with my heart, that log that's in my eye. I better let the Spirit of God deal with my heart. I want transformation by His Spirit through my life. I don't want to walk through life with some front acting like I want the Spirit of God to manifest Himself truly through my life. Amen? And so I have to get in a place with God and that usually starts at an altar where I'm allowing him to deal with the log in my eye, if you will. So then my perception is different in the workplace, in the home, all right, on my daily living. And people look and they see my life. And you know what? I promise you, people will begin to notice if when a conversation turns at work, you just excuse yourself. They'll start recognizing. One of my most awkward things, but one of my sometimes favorite things. This is terrible that it's one of my favorite things sometimes. It's just the honoriness in me. I know you don't have any honoriness in you. It's the honoriness in me when I'm at work and then a conversation turns about somebody. And I have an opportunity to say something that just shuts that off real quick. And people, not in an unkind way, you understand. But you and I have the ability to change a conversation. Man, I feel like I'm meddling, but I feel like the Holy Ghost is wanting to help us. Just being silent is not always the answer. Well, I won't say anything. There's a time to be silent, but the Scripture says there's also a time to speak. 
And I would to God that there would be a boldness in the Spirit of God. If you're filled with the Spirit of God, we've got to open our mouths. I would to God that there would be a boldness in the Spirit of God that says, hold on a minute. We don't know everything about their situation. I'm not sure there's wisdom in us talking about them that way. You say, oh, I, I don't know if I can say that to my coworker. Why not? Why not? You afraid? I don't mean. We need the boldness of the Holy Ghost. Hold on a minute. I don't know that we should talk about them that way. We don't know where they are. We don't know what they're going through. We don't know their. Do you know all their circumstances? I may not agree, but let's. You have the ability to change the direction of a conversation with your words. As a child of God who is salt and light in the world, you can't just be silent in those things. You with me? You say, well, this is just meddling in how I do my job. No, this is being a child of God and a conduit through the Spirit of God. Last thing. How many of you know someone, hopefully not in the room, how many of you have a coworker or something where you know it's like, man, when you get with them, they are talking about somebody else? Anybody? Most of us? Yeah. I'm going to let you in on a secret, okay? Something I've learned about people in the last few years. If they're talking to you about a coworker when they're with you, guess who they're talking about when they're not with you? Why? Because that's the spirit of the air. A spirit that accuses, a spirit that finds fault, a spirit that talks down. This ought not be in the body of Christ. This ought not be in the body of Christ. There should be a love, a concern, and a compassion for people that seeks to build up, seeks to bring healing, seeks to bring hope, and it comes through Christ dwelling in us. In Jesus' name. Would you talk with the Lord this morning before we go? Would you talk with him if the Lord is dealing with your heart? If you need to turn your pew into an altar, do that. If you want this altar, if you need to say, man, the Lord sort of pricked on my heart a little bit today. I want to I want to I want to lay this on the altar. I want to deal with some stuff. I want my spirit. There's been some things come out of my mouth that have probably revealed, not probably have definitely revealed what's in my heart. And I want my heart to be clean, Lord, and I can't make it clean, but you can. But I want my conversation, I want my conversation to glorify you, God. I want my exchanges with people to glorify you, God. I want the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart to be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, Lord. You are glorified through my life or the testimony of you is damaged through my life. I can't produce it as a good person. I need the working of your spirit in my heart. 
God, I want it in the workplace. I want it in my home. I want it wherever I go, that the utterance of your spirit would be in my mouth and that lives would be marked by the goodness of God, not by giving room to an accuser. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I pray deliverance from a spirit of accusation and fault-finding. Deliverance from that which points out flaws, but let the love of God rule and reign in our hearts. Let us come alongside those in need of ministry and strength and help and encouragement and uplifting. Let your spirit work through us, God, in this hour. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. We need you, Father. We need you. We need you, Father. We need you. Come on, there should be, if, if the Lord is dealing with your heart, then there should be a prayer of repentance, of letting the love of God turn my heart and yours, turn our way of thinking, arrest our thoughts and arrest our attention, Lord. I want to be honest before you, God. I want to be honest before you. I want you to use me and I want my spirit to be right. I want my heart to be right. God, if there's anything with my brother or my sister, I bring it to you today. I bring it to you today, Lord. In Jesus' name, as you're praying there, my, I'm reminded of a scripture where Jesus said, if, if your brother has aught against you, that when you bring your gift, you should leave your gift at the altar, and then you should go to your brother or your sister. And you should make it right in relationship with them. You should communicate with them. And then come back to the altar and offer your gift to the Lord. Some of you, there's a hindrance. I'm, come on, you're talking to the Lord. I'm going to tell you. Right. Some of you, there is a hindrance in your prayer. And the reason there's hindrances, I don't mean just in like today. I mean like you're finding hindrance in your prayers. There's something tied to your relationship with your brother or sister. And I believe the Holy Ghost would illuminate that to you. Then in the love of God and the fear of God, you need to leave your gift before the Lord. Go to your brother or sister. Bring correction and healing in that relationship. Forgiveness and restoration. And then go back to the altar and the Lord will receive your gift, the scripture says. In Jesus' name. Come on, this affects our prayers getting through. This affects our prayers getting through. How we judge our brother and sister affects the impact of our prayer. This in our home affects the impact of our prayer. Peter wrote to us and said to us as men who are married that we should live with our wives according to knowledge, giving honor unto them as unto the weaker vessel. He didn't mean weaker as in less than. He meant weaker as in the way God has created and designed men and women. And he said, if we didn't live with them according to knowledge and honor them as the weaker vessel, that our prayers would be hindered. There is something in the relationship in the heart of men and women of God in how we speak to and about one another that affects our prayer. One, you need to hear this. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. How we speak to one another, how we think about one another, how we talk about one another affects our prayer. And so if the Lord is revealing these things, then we must lay them on the altar. We must go to our brother, our sister, our spouse, you fill in the blank, and let God bring healing. Forgive me.
Forgive me, my brother. Forgive me, my sister. Pray with me. I want right relationship between us in the body. I want proper alignment in our relationship. I want the Word of God and the Spirit of God working in my life. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I want my dinner table to be one of conversations of joy and peace and edification, not a dinner table of accusation and fault-finding and criticism and tearing down. God, I want my home to be one where people are built up and edified and spoken highly of, not one where a home that tears down and finds fault with people. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Let us not give in to that spirit of the accuser, Lord. Make us aware, make us aware, make us aware. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Well, I'm telling you, this is so significant today. I'm not trying to belittle a point, but this is so significant today. In Corinthians, Paul told the church, for this reason, there are many that are weak and sickly and some even dead among you. He was speaking spiritually. They didn't have a bunch of dead people laying around in the church. He was speaking spiritually. He said, for this cause, some of you are weak and sickly and even dead among you. And the reason, he said, was because you do not discern the Lord's body. You're not rightfully discerning the people that make up the body of Christ and how you view them and how you speak about them and how you treat them and your lack of care, concern, and respect for one another. You don't discern the Lord's body. And because you don't discern His body, some of you are weak, you're sickly, and some are even spiritually dead. I'm telling you this in the fear of God. There's some of you today, there are things you're dealing with and battling in your life and you're trying to figure out what's going on. And I don't have any clue about this. You're trying to figure out what's going on. How come what is happening? Why all of a sudden this? How come there's this wall or how come there's this? Why am I? How come I can't get past this? I'm going to tell you, it's a result of your words in relationship to the body And it affects you. And some are weak and sickly and even dead spiritually, Paul said, because you're not discerning the Lord's body. How you speak about the body, how you think about your brother, how you talk about your sister, the attitudes and actions you've had. But if you and I would go to the brother... If we'd go to the sister, if we'd take it to the altar, I'm certain healing would come. Healing would come. That barrier to prayer would be removed and there would be a restored flow again. This is critical. Perceiving and discerning the Lord's body. I can't think for a moment That how I treat, speak of, and think about my brother has no effect on my relationship with God. 
I promise you it does. I promise you. It affects your relationship with God. Not only. Boy, it took us a while to get here, but here we are. Not only does it affect my relationship with God, it affects my relationship with every other brother and sister in the body of Christ. Every one of them. And here, pray with me for a minute. We've, we've got to go a little further here. The Holy Ghost is trying to bring some healing and hope for some. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, God, to receive with our spirit, to receive with our spirit, to receive with our spirit. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, open understanding, bring revelation and healing. My relationship with my brother, my thoughts and actions and words and attitude about my brother affect my at my relationship with every single other person in the body of Christ every single one and here's the deception of the adversary well you know what him and I just don't see eye to eye and I'm not saying everybody's going to agree on everything you understand and everybody's not going to be best friends I get that okay my hand is connected to my wrist it's not connected to my foot all right, that would be weird. Every part in the body is not directly connected right there, to, but it all functions together, and it all cares for each part. My hand doesn't say, you know what, I don't care about my foot. Cut it off. It don't matter to me. My hand doesn't do that. My hand cares. Matter of fact, if something's wrong with that foot and I've got to get bandage on it, my hand's willing to help do it, right? And so... But what happens, here's the deception of the adversary. Well, you know what? Because of this thing, I'll just avoid them. And I'll, man, I trust you, Jesus. I'll just, I'll, I'll buddy up with my brother over here. And we'll stick together, and I'll avoid this one over here. And, and if he comes around, we'll, we'll, we'll play nicey-nice. But then as soon as he's gone, we got our thing going on. Our little click in the body of Christ. Now, I don't see this as an issue here, but here we are. I feel like the Holy Ghost is trying to preserve what he's doing in his body. And if we'll hear and receive this and pray, God, by your great grace, guard my spirit. Against any element or any faction of this getting into my spirit. I want to discern your body. I want to care for the body. The scripture says when one hurts, we all hurt. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. That's the work of the body together. But the adversary is subtle. And he looks for a way to work in. Jesus' name. You receive this today. Receive this today. I want to be the body of Christ. I want to do the work of the kingdom. I want his spirit to be manifest through my life. And I don't want his spirit to be tainted by my humanity. I want a pure heart. Amen. Would you lift your hands with me before we go today and talk to him? God, examine my life.